you are listening to the TriCast Gaming Podcast. Greetings and welcome everyone to episode number 30 of the TriCast Gaming Podcast. I am your host, Grimlock, aka Philip Keeney, and I'm joined today by the firstborn, Adam Garcia. What's going on, guys? Adam, how are you doing tonight? Um, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I, I didn't realize this episode was number 30 until I saw the, the show notes, and I was like, man, this show is almost as old as I am. <laughs> yeah, in terms of numbers of, of episodes, yeah. Um, well, I'm 32, so we've almost got to my age. I think I'm the youngest of our trio. Yeah, I'm... Wait, what year is it? I'll be 35 this year. Awesome, and I think Mike is actually slightly older than us, right? Like he's 36 or... Yes, I think... I think so. Sorry, Mike, if we got that wrong. My bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, Mike and I were actually talking about this last week about how the show. So, you know, there's 52 weeks in a year and we do this as a weekly show. So 26 was actually six months. So we've been doing it for half a year. So we're we're well on our way to, you know, a year's worth of shows. Um just exciting like i mean we've really stuck to it and we've i think we've gotten better and we've grown uh, at doing this um it's fun and I, i'm i'm really excited that we're still doing it and i still get i still get just as much like kick out of you know talking and shooting the breeze about video games and stuff i just think it's great so i'm i'm, I'm super thrilled that we're we've made it to 30 yeah me too like it, it- honestly doesn't feel like we've been doing it that long i just feel like we just started doing it yesterday yeah i had the same thought and then i went back and i was like looking at my receipts um for for you know the programs that we subscribe to and i was like wow like the first month was was back in early july so you know we we definitely have been doing it for a while Mm -hmm. but it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's a job that's for sure It's, it's it's more of a a fun habit. Yeah. I mean, I would say that there are some nights when like I get done with work on, on a Thursday evening and I'm like, Oh man, I still got to write a show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, and, and I think probably nobody who listens to the show really catches this, but there are some days where my show notes are much more bare than they are in other weeks. Um, so, you know, there's some weeks that we do a little bit more improvising, uh, than others, but uh, I think it all works out in the end. Yeah, and that's how good at the show we are. Like no one really catches it, so we're just good at what we do. One hundred percent. It's like how like Mike is here with us, and nobody even realizes it. No, nah, I'm just kidding. Yes. Mike, Mike <laughs> is not here with us tonight. Our prayers are with him and his wife. Um, just dealing with a little something. He should nothing too serious. Nobody, nobody worry. Um, just a little, little um, under the weather this week. So. Um, they, he should be back next week. Um, but prayer still with him as always. We like to think of our co-hosts when they're not with us. That is true. And even when they're not with us, they're here with us in spirit. Always. All right. Um, speaking of spirits, this just totally just jumped into my head. Have you heard of Tom McDonald? Uh, is that the moon guy that was on the McDonald's cartoons and commercials back in the early nineties? No. Good try though. Oh, Okay. So Tom McDonald, you can look him up. He's a rapper and he does like, well, some people say it's controversial, but it's not controversial. He basically is just calling out, you know, woke culture and, 
and things like that in today's media. But his rap songs are always about that. But that's not really where I'm going with this and why I thought of Spirits. If you look him up, he do, he did this like ghost story YouTube video. And I think actually, Adam, you might like it. I don't know how much, how like real it is. Like if it's really, re- he tells it as if he's recounting a real experience in his life. Um, but I don't really know like if he's just really trying to be a good storyteller or whatever. But I was captivated for 20 minutes and you know how I feel about ghosts. Um, so you <laughs> might, you might uh, give it a shot. It's on YouTube, Tom McDonald ghost stories. Um, but he, it's basically a, a, about this. He says that he went to shoot a, a video in this place called Tranquil, Canada, which is like a ghost town in the Pacific Northwest. Well, I guess it's, not Northwest, I guess it's Southwest if you're in Canada. I'm too, I'm too used to being American, but um, it's up just north of, of Washington State. And this town used to be where they would send people who had tuberculosis to live and to be sec- separated from society. And they had like a sanatorium there and a hospital and houses for people to live in and things. But what's really unique and kind of spooky about this town is that there is a complete labyrinth of tunnels underneath of the town um, that connects all the different buildings in the town. They think I, I think I read there's something like over two kilometers worth of tunnels underneath of this town. So he tells this story of when they went to go shoot a music video and his experiences of being in this town and in the tunnels and there late at night. And it is really riveting story. I, I, I recommend going and checking out just a random YouTube hole that I fell into. Don't know really how I got there, but I did. And, and I, I think it's like 25 minutes and I was definitely riveted ghost story there. Being told a ghost story by this guy with the way his tattoos are, that would be horrifying. He's actually like totally like when you listen to him speak, like the voice and the, like the look of the tattoos and everything, like they do not seem to really mesh. They're, they're, oh, this so is you one, have like a high pitched voice. No, no, no. It's just me. I just mean that this is one of those where you really cannot judge a book by its cover. Like he mm. just is not, he's not the personality that I would expect to coincide with someone who has all of them face tattoos and stuff. Hmm. So especially with the, the blackout context, I mean that, that, that was the first picture I saw on Google and I was like, Ooh, <laughs> creepy. Mm, but yeah, he does like, what's really cool about him, you know, again, you know, we're not a political podcast and, and we actually will have a topic that could kind of breach that gap, but you know, he's making waves right now because he's made these songs calling out woke culture and stuff like that. But he, he, he does everything himself. Like he literally, you know, he writes his songs, he composes his tracks. He, you know, records it all, puts it all together. He builds all his sets. Uh, His, his girlfriend like does all the filming and editing of his videos. Like he does everything himself He's no music label. He's no producer. He's no, none of that stuff. And he like hit number one on iTunes has like, I don't know, like 3 million downloads over the last few weeks um, of these two songs that he's put out, Uh, hit number one, uh, like charted on billboard top 100 um, artists or something like that. I don't remember what the exact title of it is, but it's just sort of incredible to see like 
how you know kind of in contrast to that video that shockingly terrible video that you made me watch for this <laughs> damn show i don't even remember what those assholes were called but like when oh, you compare that- you compare to like what they did versus what someone with real talent can do and how he can create a whole music career for himself and be successful purely on the back of his own hard work and, and dedication and and doing everything himself it is to be commended even if like you know his message kind of would annoy some people. It's certainly, it's certainly, I no doubt annoys many people um, because he's, he does not subscribe to um, the quote, correct think. Right. There's this, uh, you know, how, like they have that people ask section on the, uh, on the Googles. Mm-hmm. The, the first one, it says, what is Tom McDonald net worth? And I was like, uh oh. So I clicked it out of curiosity and said he has a net worth of a hundred thousand dollars. That's funny. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but that's funny. I mean Yeah. I mean I, I expected that number to be way higher based off what you were saying and like the, the pictures and stuff like that, but I was like, Well, there's there's that. <laughs> he's he's doing it in he's doing it on his own, man. He's living it he's living it big. Just working hard on his own. I I think that's really to be commended personally. I yeah. think it's great. Yeah, that's cool what he's doing. So, uh, anyway, you should check that out. Everybody else should check that out. I don't know why it was so riveting. I don't know why I felt like I needed to watch a ghost story narrated by him, but it, it was interesting and it made me look into this town, which was, I don't know. There's something always interesting about you know history and and seeing something that's you know, past its usefulness in life now and what happens with it, you know, because it, we're kind of moving along at this point in this part of the world where we're starting to have old enough history, you know, Europe is kind of already used to this because they've had literally thousands of years of history and people building structures and things like that in their in, in their on their land you know you had the Romans and then and um, you know just the Romans built huge great civilizations across Europe and then you know they died out and then you still have another 2,000 years of history with them whereas the United States is it's really young in comparison you know the country is what are we almost at now 200 and I guess 250. Here in a here in like five years, right? Because seventeen seventy six, so that would be like twenty twenty six would be two hundred and fifty years. Close. It's uh, two hundred and forty three. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking at um, you're looking at relatively speaking a very young country. You know, you can go back a little bit more because the Brits, um, you know, the, the Brits and the Spanish and the and the French, they they settled um, over here what in like 16 what's the what's the uh what's the whole song i'm i'm forgetting it now christopher columbus sell the ocean blue and i don't even remember now 1492 
Yeah, something like that. So you know, they, they and they for they set up J, you know, Jamestown in sixteen. It was in the seventeenth century, sometimes sixteen something. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, you can go back a little bit more than like you know the birth of the nation. Um, and obviously, you can go back to the Indians, but they didn't build permanent structures. You know, they built they were nomadic most mostly. They were nomadic tribes. So when you look at what's here, I, I'm, I'm long winded here, but when you look at <laughs> what's here, you know. The country is relatively young, and so like when you start seeing these places that are old and not used anymore and are becoming ruins, and you learn the stories behind them, I don't know. I find that interesting. I just think it, it's, I I just think it's cool. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird, but I did get a history degree in college, so there's that. Yeah. Well, history is very interesting as long as you have an interest in it. Like I I find history really cool. Like, I'm always looking at old stuff and reading about, like, the past events that's happened, like, especially, like, when it comes to, like, Pearl Harbor and, like, World War II and stuff like that. That's I don't know why, but that's just my favorite uh, stuff to learn about. But, like, you get someone like Shelly, you know, she's not as much of a history enthusiast, so she's always like, wait, what? (laughs) As I'm trying to explain things to her. (laughs) Yeah, it does always amaze me when people don't really... Um, you know, they don't really know history and it's so easy um, to, to not, I, cause you, I mean, how else are you going to get it unless you read lots of books? I mean, it, it, it is much easier to not know a bunch of stuff in history than it is to know a bunch of stuff in history. And that's not to say like, you know, people are, are not smart or something like that. That's just, that's just, it's just true. Like, the stuff is in books, but you have to spend the time to read them. And we don't all have that amount of time. So, you know, yeah. it, it's not, um, and not everybody has the time to sit down and watch the history channel either. Well, yeah. And we're assuming the history channel is always accurately portrayed to us. That's true. Basically this generation is like, if it's not on Netflix, I don't care as basis. What's <laughs> yeah. <the fuck> going <laughs> on? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I feel like I've got really long winded. This is a video game podcast after all, right? So <laughs> that's um, true. to kind of pull up, I mean, this is sort of related to history, but to kind of pull the reason I got onto this, I've, I've been binging this, this TV show Vikings. It was actually on the history channel. Um, you can watch it on Amazon prime, but I got onto this. Can you guess why Adam, why would I want to watch a show about Vikings? Hmm. Because of Valhalla? That's right. Because I spent 120 hours playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So I started watching the show Monday night, and I am, like, so addicted to it, dude. I can't. It's like when I got into Cobra Kai. I just can't. I've I'm already, like, I think I'm on the season two finale already, and I started, you know, three nights ago. So, like, I just, I can't, I can't stop consuming the show. But it is really good. Um, it, and having played through Valhalla, it's really neat because um, it's actually focused on Ragnar Lothbrok, who bless you, yeah, who is, um, I mean, supposedly he's a real historical figure. There are texts and documents that mention a character or, or a figure named Ragnar Lothbrok, who myths and legends now have been written about, and you know, he's supposedly one of the first, uh, first. Norsemen, uh, people from the Scandinavian region, you know, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, to sail west and and land in England and start raiding uh, England 
and bringing Norsemen over there and, and settling the area and, and mixing with the Saxons in the area. But in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, you play as a character who's coming to England some decades after Ragnar Lothbrok would have. And he's lo- he's gone and his sons are all over England. So you run into Halfdan and Uba and... Um, uh, I'm trying to uh, think of the other one that, that you... Um, I've totally drawn a blank. Anyway, you run into his sons <laughs> in the game and the show is all about Ragnar and then he's having his sons and they're growing up in the show and he's going to England. So it's almost like a prequel, if you will, of Valhalla, although Valhalla came after the TV show, obviously, um, right. in terms of when they developed it. But it, it's just interesting because it gives context behind some of the uh, potentially... I mean, obviously, it's it's dramatized historical stuff. Uh, this is not... Uh, it was on the History Channel, but it's not a... It's not supposed to be factual. It is a drama show. And so... It, it, the, who knows how real any of it is but it just gives you some kind of oh this is what kind of supposedly happened before I went and played this Valhalla game where you know these events supposedly happened here too and I'm seeing these characters and you know kind of seeing somewhat of an origin story to them yeah that sounds really cool but the show itself is really neat uh, It's I think it's done really well there's very interesting storylines going through it. You know, there's cool battles. I think that it's a show that does, um, you know, it has sexual content in it, but I think they actually do it well. You know, instead of this garbage that's on HBO and, and Netflix now, where it's, I mean, it's basically pornography. This show, it has sexual content in it, but it's, it's not so gratuitous and like in your face. Like it's definitely kind of calling back to like nineties type movies where it's a little more shows a little bit more, but it, it it still leaves a lot to your, you know, to contextual imagination. And I just, I, I appreciate that about a modern show. Like I just, there's stuff like I stopped, like I couldn't watch, um, What's that show on HBO West, 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 what, fuck, what was it called? Uh, (laughs) The one where like, it was the, it was the, the town of, of, of androids or, or robot people that are made to look real and people pay to go to this town and like, Westworld, thank you. I had to stop watching that because like, I just couldn't, I couldn't take how gratuitous the sex in it. Same with Game of Thrones. Like, legitimately, how gratuitous the sexual content was through, it put me off of those shows. So I appreciate the fact that it's, you know, it's not like that in, in Vikings. So I feel like, like, I don't feel, like, embarrassed if my mom walked in at the wrong time of the show. Like, <laughs> like to me, that's somewhat important. You know, I, I don't know why. It just is. I don't, I don't, it. I don't, I can't explain why it just is. So, yeah, <laughs> but Vikings, uh, you know, if you have Amazon prime and an interest in, in Norse mythology and, and tales of, 
you know, the, the original Vikings that raided England, you know, it's worth a shot. It's worth taking a look at. I don't, I don't think people would be disappointed. Nice. Well, I, I got a question for you on that. Now, you said these, these they're Norse men, right? N-O-R-S-E? Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you ever seen the 13th Warrior? Yeah, I sure have. Well, Antonio Banderas? That, yeah. Is that the same thing? Like, Because they called them Northmen in, the, uh, in that movie. So I think that the the 13th warrior is more about like Celtic uh, peoples oh, okay. uh, and, and mythology. Um, the Northmen uh, being, you know, people from the north of the British Isles, like the Scottish and the, the very northern English or maybe even the Irish. <clears throat> but the Norse uh, with an S are people from the Scandinavia region, which would be you know, Norway, Sweden, Finland, Denmark, that area. Gotcha. Okay, cool. That's a really good movie, by the way. <laughs> it is. It is a very, it is an, an, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if I want to say very good, but it is, it is a quality, you know, seven, seven and a half movie, which there's, I mean, most things are in that range. So there's nothing, absolutely, absolutely nothing wrong with that. In my opinion, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good yeah. movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. Um, but the Vikings TV show, the combat scenes and the fights and stuff got, got a lot of really great, like Braveheart vibes. Um, so it's, it's really good. You know, there's, there's definitely some, you know, some violence, not quite, I shouldn't put it quite on the same level, uh, as Braveheart because, you know, there's a lot of removing of limbs and things like that. But, um, I mean, Mm. there's still, you know, there's still pretty heavy violence in the show. Um, I mean, they still chop off people's heads from time to time and they do this thing in the show called the blood, the blood Eagle. And they did this in the, in the game too, actually in Valhalla. Um, but are you, are you familiar? Probably not, but, uh, are you familiar with what a blood Eagle is? I feel like I did know what that was at one point. So uh, apparently in, in Norse, um, history i guess with viking history supposedly this was a form of execution that was meant to be one of the absolute most brutal ways that you could kill a man uh, or woman you know they they i guess they didn't discriminate there either um but essentially what they would do is they would tie their arms up they'd make them kneel and then make them tie their arms up so their kind of shoulders or arms are lifted up at shoulder level Mm-hmm. And they would cut down the the back and open up their back, and then using an axe would break the ribs away from the spine and pull the ribs um, back out through through a person's back, and then reach through and pull their lungs out through their back and put them up on their shoulders like the folded wings of an eagle. And supposedly, like, most people didn't really die until, you know, that had all been completed and then would slowly die of blood loss. But the actual act of doing all of that wouldn't kill them. Uh, So apparently Uh it was a extremely um, grotesque and painful way to die. Sort of like, you know, if you've seen Braveheart, you know, where he gets hung, drawn, and quartered. Yeah. Where they like pull his body apart in five different directions, you know? Mm-hmm. 
brutal. Like yeah. people were brutal back then, man. Like they did some really fucked up shit back then, you know? Yeah. Imagine if they had Legos. <sighs> right? <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> anyway. Um all of that said, I have to say I kind of miss Valhalla. And if the first DLC comes out in, in the nearest future, I might be back into Valhalla. Oh, no. Because I'm so into, like, the Viking <laughs> shit right now. So maybe I need to start Cyberpunk quickly so that I can find something to get me away from that. Yeah, do do that. Or you can play Power Rangers uh, Battle for the Grid. Hey, man, I just don't know that that's going to happen. So Hey, Game Pass, it's free. You ain't got to pay nothing. You're right. You're right. That is true. <laughs> Well, speaking of games, should we talk about video games? Let's do it. All right, because each and every week we do get together to channel our virtues through the Triforce to provide you all the latest news and general thoughts from the mythical world of video games. We are doing this, or we are new and doing this entirely of our own entertainment simply because we love video games. If you do like what you hear, please consider leaving us a like and a review on your podcasting app of choice. And if you really enjoy it, Please share on social media and the like to your friends. You can find us on Twitter at TricastGamingP1 and on Facebook at TricastGamingPodcast. DM us on Twitter or Facebook with your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, corrections, and we'd be happy to read them out on this show. All right, with that said, I don't have any corrections, but I did have something I wanted to highlight. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about Game Pass and... Xbox Live Gold and how, you know, we've on this show really, um, really pushed Game Pass and the and the, the benefits of it. And I think they are there. If you're more of a hardcore gamer, they're definitely there. But when we were talking about the possible price hike of, of Xbox Live Gold, um, a thought that I didn't really have at the time, and one of my friends who does listen to our show, Ray, uh, Ray Salmon was talking to me and he was saying, you know, I, I really am glad that, that Microsoft didn't raise the price because, you know, me, I just play FIFA. And I didn't really think about that. You know, you've got people out there that own an Xbox console and literally all they do is every year buy the next FIFA or the next Madden or the next Call of Duty and they just play that for the full year. And so if you're if your live subscription, the thing that actually allows you to play that game online suddenly doubled in price, and that's literally all you do, like that really sucks, man. And so I just wanted to, you know, he's, he was talking to me and he expressed that point of view and it's something that I didn't really bring up on the show and I felt like it would be um, worthwhile to point out and, and say that, you know, that's a really valid point of view. So he didn't, he didn't necessarily write in, but he did come and talk to me and said, hey, I was listening to your show and I wanted to offer this point of view. So there you go, Ray. You have your time in the show. Yeah, that's a that's a thought that never crossed my mind either. Like, like if all I did was play wrestling, like that would suck if I had to play, pay double for for the live stuff. Like I wouldn't do that. Yeah, it could almost drive you out of playing video games. Like that's a yeah. big hike. Yeah, especially like if it's Rocket League, like all you guys play. <laughs> oh my god! You know what? I love Rocket League so much. Maybe I might do it. If it if oh it no! <laughs> I'd rather pay sixty dollars a year to Rocket League than than to Xbox Live Gold to play that game. But yeah, I wouldn't. But yeah, give for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Well, let's get into what we are playing. Uh, I have significantly less to talk about because I did go away for three days and was doing, um, I was doing 
uh, stuff with my dad, we went and, and, um, had a great weekend out together. So I didn't play a whole lot of video games since the last time we recorded a show, but I have been playing one new game. This game came out last week. Uh, it is called Hybroxia 2. I've definitely talked about it on this show. It is developed uh, by one guy. His studio is Lilymo Games, but he's one guy. Uh, he's obviously got some help with a little bit of help with art and music and things like that on this game. But the, the development of the game, the coding and, and everything is done by one guy. And he's a really cool dude. He's from Canada. Um, I've actually played video games with him online, you know, done some trophy hunting with him. Um, but he, he really works hard and his games. This is his fourth game now. And you can really tell how he's gotten better at what he does along the life of these games and, and, and as he's been developing and Abraxia two is by far his best game. It's just so good. So, I mean, I think, think like Galaga or space invaders, but you've got levels. So, you know, you have a little ship and you're constantly shooting out and there's enemies popping up and you're moving up and down the screen and in and out and weaving through all the bullets and everything and trying to blow up all the ships and get through the stages. Um, that's the basic premise of the game. I think there's, oh, I want to say 16 to 18 stages in this game. I can't remember exactly the number. Um, but it's just so good, and they they come up. He comes up with some like really cool like boss designs for all the little boss enemies at the end of each stage, and it's just really well designed. And you get the power ups, and you have the way you use the power ups, and you kind of hold them to get through certain parts of the stage. And you know they've developed an upgrade system where you know you get coins as you play through levels, and you can buy upgrades at the end, or you cannot. So you can kind of basically make the game as hard or easy as you want based on what upgrades you buy and, and how often you spend your coins. Um, it's just, it's just really good. Uh, the art style is cool. The, the soundtrack is great on it and you can actually get it on Spotify. So even if you don't play this game, go check it out on Spotify, check out the Hyproxia two soundtrack. If you're an old school gamer like me, you grew up on Nintendo and super Nintendo, you are going to, you're just going to geek out about the soundtrack. It's just that good. Um, but I I played it on Vita because I took my PlayStation Vita with me over the weekend and I kind of played for a little bit in the evenings in the hotel room. <clears throat> and I ended up coming back on Monday and finishing it on Vita. Got the platinum trophy, everything. And immediately started it up on PlayStation 5 just because I wanted to see it on the big screen. And I'm actually like through the game again uh, I'm on, you have to do a new game plus playthrough to get the final trophy. And I'm more than halfway through that new game plus. So I'm about to, because there are separate trophy lists for PS five and Vita, I'm about to platinum this game for a second time. Uh, that's, that's just how much I love it. It's not that long, three to five hours, and it's only a $10 game. So you can't hardly get much cheaper than that. Um, I just, I can't recommend it enough. It's so good. It's so much fun to play. If you like Space Invader type stuff, just check it out. It, I, that's all I can say. Yeah, it looks really cool. It, it makes me feel like I need to go to find an arcade just so I can play all those old fun games. <laughs> yeah, and I'll say that this game is... Are they So they had been just doing stuff on PlayStation, but uh, now he's, he's branching out. And so this game launched on PlayStation, Xbox, PC, and Switch. So... You can literally get it wherever you want to play it, and it's $10, three to five hour experience. 
I, I don't think you'll regret it. It's just so good. Yeah, it looks amazing. Well, it's definitely a game that I want to get just because of the nostalgic feel for it. Yeah, so if you have a chance, check it out. I, I definitely recommend it. Um, what about you, Adam? What have you been playing this week? I have decided to be nostalgic, and I plugged in my PS3 to my computer monitor, and I started playing Guitar Hero Metallica. Did you ever play that? I play not Metallica. I played Guitar Hero two and three, and then I got the new one that came out on console on the last gen consoles in like twenty fifteen or something like that. Oh, the one with the six buttons. Yes. Yep. Okay. Well, Guitar Hero Metallica was the one after World Tour, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, and. Um, that's the one where it, the drum set actually looked like a drum set. You know, he had the two cymbals and it was the five hit pads instead of the four that Rock Band had. Um, I hated that the the Guitar Hero drum kit for the World Tour was so flimsy because when I when I hit, I hit heavy, and so the the cymbals eventually started popping off and like one day it finally just gave in and it's slapped all the way off and so we went back to the the rock band drums because it's just four pads and they're a little more durable than the guitar hero ones but man this was the first time in probably eight years or something like that that i played this game and i can i'll tell you this much i did not I, I I couldn't I didn't miss it enough because like I, I, I didn't lose my touch let's just say it that way I took a picture of it I'll send it to you in the in the messenger real quick so you can see it but after I finished the first song because I went a little bit easy on myself because I was like okay I'm probably gonna be a little bit rusty you know I need to get rid of the uh, the elbow rust and the the wrist I need to stretch it out and I started playing and then when I was done I was like oh well this is a surprise and I got 99% on that on that inner sandman song which you know it's not a hard song to begin with but you know whenever you haven't played in that long you know eventually you're you're not going to be able to do what you're going to what you're used to doing and when I played that I was really surprised and I was like let's see what else I can do so I played uh Merciful Fate from Metallica and, and for those that don't know that's an 11 minute song and by the time I was done with that, I was like, there's that rust. I can feel it now. My forearm's all sore. My hand hurts. And I'm just like, I miss this feeling. But I, I also don't miss it at the same time just because it hurts. <laughs> That's awesome. But, I used to suffer from like my eyes would start burning because like I wouldn't blink. Like I would basically <laughs> not blink for the length of the song. And so yeah. if I played for even, you know. 45 minutes to an hour at a time like my eyes would hurt for days afterwards like i had a <laughs> i need to like if i'm ever try try it again i need to get like eye drops so that i can do eye yeah. drops in between songs or something that could be easily transformed into a, like a horror short film like you know just call it guitar hero and like the trailer would just be like you off to the side, the camera slowly panning towards you. And when the song ends, you just look at the camera and it's just like bloodshot eyes and like you're, you're crying blood and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But man, like that, 
God, I love playing Guitar Hero Metallica. Like back in the day when that was brand new, me and my cousins when we, when I was at their house, we would play that for hours on end. Like we would we would jump from Guitar Hero Metallica to Rock Band Two to Rock Band Three to Guitar Hero World Tour. Like anything that involved the full band, that's what we would play, and we would play it like all night. And I don't know how I did it back then because like just me playing for twenty minutes hurts, but. Yeah, I love Guitar Hero Metallica. That's really funny. I remember how like big that whole phenomenon was for a few years. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to... I've got something in my eye, folks. I've got something in my eye. I was trying to look up how many Guitar Hero games um, there were. Uh, I think there was six or... No, if, I think there's eight total. Eight total. So there is Guitar Hero... Guitar Hero 2, 3, World Tour, Guitar Hero 5, Warriors of Rock, and then Guitar Hero Live. I don't know where Metallica falls into that. It must have been like a expansion or something like that. Mm, I think it was after World Tour because there's also a Guitar Hero Van Halen, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So of the mainline games, though, there's seven, but six of them released within... Here we go. Between 2005 and 2010, you had all Guitar Hero 1, 2, 3, World Tour, Aerosmith, Metallica, Smash Hits, Guitar Hero 5, DJ Hero, Van Halen, Warriors of Rock, DJ Hero 2. All of those released in a five-year period. I mean, it just completely inundated the market with these games. Um, and then... What killed it was DJ Hero. What's up? What killed it was DJ Hero. <laughs> yeah, probably so. I think actually what more killed it was the production of these peripherals. I, th- I think that's in general <laughs> what you've seen across. I mean, you laugh, but I think it's true. And you've seen it with like, uh, I think PSVR has suffered from it. The Wii suffered from it. Like just different. Anytime you start making a lot of expensive plastic peripherals for these games outside mm-hmm. of your just standard, here's the main controller that comes with the ga- with the box. Uh, it always seems to be a money suck for these games. Yeah, that's games I mean, it's true. Because like it even got to the point to where you could only buy the Guitar Hero drum kit when you buy the Guitar Hero World Tour kit. Like you had to buy the full band in order to get the drum kit. They eventually stopped selling it on its own, so you end, ended up having to pay more just to get the drums, like a replacement set. Right. Yep. So yeah, I, it's uh, it's great. You always bring us back onto some of these nostalgic uh, memory trips. But uh, uh, Guitar Hero, that was really something back in the early aughts or mid aughts, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm on my. Uh, that sounded weird. I might, <laughs> I might stream it uh, sooner or later because I mean, God, that game is so good. If you ask me. <laughs> Yeah, you should do that. That'd be really cool. It makes me kind of want to pull out Guitar Hero Live and try it again. I, I mean, I haven't. I literally, you know, got it when it came out, and I haven't played it since. Nice. Yeah, I beat it in like one night, and I was like, "Well, there's that." And like, I tried to do the online thing, but I couldn't do it. Like, it kept kicking me off. Yeah, the whole online component. They tried to find a way to tap into. You know, at the time, like Destiny and other of those kinds of games were getting popular and the sort of games as a service, and they tried to tap into that idea, and it just totally did not work at all. 
Yeah. They weren't prepared for thousands of people to be on the same server for sure. Just trying to look at the developer that did Guitar Hero Live freestyle games. I almost, I almost wonder if like that was because they folded in 2017. So like, I almost wonder if that was sort of the end of them. <laughs> Cause, yeah, because they used to be owned by Activision, and as as that studio, they folded and were, I guess, brought under the Ubisoft umbrella and rebranded as Ubisoft Leamington. So, yeah. Yikes. That didn't do well for them. Well, that's what they get. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you'll see these games anymore. I think you, if you want to play them, you got to have the old stuff because it's not they're not going to be around. Uh, they're not going to make any new ones anytime yep. soon. Luckily, I have both the Xbox and the PlayStation version, so I am good to go. Good to go. All right, <laughs> well, should we get on into topics of the show? Let's do it. All right, well, number one, as promised, I have found Nintendo's Q3 fiscal year 2021 financial results, and there's some interesting stuff in this. Um, So they also are seeing year-on-year increases. Uh, They they had a 37.3% year-on-year increase in sales and a massive 98.2% increase in operating profit year-on-year. Uh, and then they also re- uh, revealed the number of consoles they're selling outside of J- Japan at 77.6%. So uh, most of their business is outside of Japan. But I think that the 20, 20 plus percent of their console sales being in Japan is significantly higher than PlayStation. So it's still like the biggest console within the Japanese market, uh, which is interesting. Yeah. That's because it's so tiny. Yeah, I think it's more conducive to their lifestyle, I think, their culture over there. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of unit sales, uh, so for the Q1 through Q3 period, uh, fiscal year 21, so that would have been April of 2020 through the end of through the end of December 2020, they sold 24.1 million uh, Nintendo Switches. Uh, 16.7 of those million were were the regular Switch console, and 7.3 million of those units were the Switch Lite. Uh, which again, you know, we talked about this um, kind of a few shows back when we were doing that that financial article. Me and Mike were were looking at that uh, financial article of like the industry as a whole, mm-hmm. and I was pointing out that actually Nintendo Switch, uh, the Nintendo Switch Lite, was selling pretty well. Um, when you think about the fact that it is truly a handheld, you, there's no way to plug the Switch Lite into the TV and play it through the TV. So it really is the only true handheld gaming device out there. And it is actually selling pretty well when you consider that for for all intents and purposes, the handheld gaming market is dead. Um, you're not really going to have a Game Boy anymore. But uh, it's still interesting that the Switch Lite does, does do very well still uh, for Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was pretty surprised at that too. It's it's sad that the the handheld gaming thing is dead, but you know, we got to move on to bigger and better things. Yeah, it's because of mobile gaming, right? Hmm. Um. So it's interesting that uh, of those, you know, twenty four point one million units sold, um, almost half of them 
we're in Q3. So obviously it's still a big seller for Christmas time and, and, and such um, in the market. So Q3 obviously being October, November, December. So people clearly buying them a lot for um, still for as Christmas presents. Uh, it looks like um, 11.5 million of the 24.1 units were sold in the Q3 timeframe. So definitely still the most popular time it seems to buy consoles yeah and i'm looking at that uh the first party software sell-through infographic that they have Mm -hmm. is that the one that's the most sold to 16.2 million is that animal crossing yeah so this is really interesting so the article for those that are probably confused the article that i linked uh in our show notes is actually showing the um slides from the nintendo presentation which uh clearly would have been done in japan so the the game box covers are the uh japanese version and so that's where i think your confusion is coming from but yeah that's that's animal crossing yeah uh below Let's that is uh age of uh age of hyrule or hyrule warriors age of calamity or whatever there's pikmin 3 there mario party uh i don't know what that next one is i don't remember what that is is that one two switch i don't know uh there's I pokemon think. sword and shield um there's super mario bros down there some of the uh, there's some of these are like like mario odyssey still just says super mario odyssey but i cannot tell you i mean i know that that's legend of zelda breath of the wild but that's all just japanese characters so it's kind of interesting how some of these box arts are different yeah they're they're way different well, except for Mario Kart. <laughs> that didn't change. Yeah. Yeah, that's just Mario like that, Kart. That's universal. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. So, obviously, Animal Crossing is their biggest seller, uh, 16.2 million units. That's crazy uh, between April and December of last year. Um, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is the next closest at 6.5 million uh, Mario Party or Super Mario 3D All Stars Collection is at at 5.7 million, and the Ring Fit Adventure is at 3.3 million. So, those three, the the best sellers two through four, if you put all their sales together, you still don't have the number that Animal Crossing sold. Yeah, which is crazy. Like even if you uh, do the minimum one to three million for the rest of the list, it barely taps into it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's crazy. I mean, they do still have you know another fourteen games, fourteen first party games that sold between one and three million units this year, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, that's sixteen point two for Animal Crossing is nuts. <laughs> that, that's a significant amount of people playing that game. But at the same time, you know, it's it is a good game. Is it? I, I have no idea. My daughter's yeah. playing it. That's what she got for Christmas with her Switch. Uh, apparently, for anybody who's play, who plays Animal Crossing, she just got the ladder and the ability to build a bridge, and she's very excited about that. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's cool. So um, that's about all I know. What, my extent of knowing what Animal Crossing is is when she comes to me and she's like, I don't know how to get up there. How, what do I do? And I'm like, okay, well, let me Google how you get a ladder in Animal Crossing. I'm like, well, apparently you have to do this big, long list of things, and then you can get a ladder. And she's like, okay. 
few days later, she came to me and was like, I got my ladder. I was like, oh, well, good job. Yeah. It's kind of like a, uh, a Sim, a Sim City type game, but cartoony. And a raccoon as a mayor. Yeah, it definitely like she likes it. My daughter, my oldest daughter is nine, and she she likes it. Um, she likes being able to like decorate her home and stuff like that. Oh yeah, you should see mine. Mine is like all decked out with all kinds of stuff. <laughs> well, but mine's on the uh, the 3ds. Oh, but so you're not playing the most recent Animal Crossing? No, not yet. Like I want to so bad, but it's just we just haven't found the time to just go get it. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. She's playing because I mean she got the Switch for Christmas, so we got her the, the most recent one with her Switch. Yeah, yeah. That's gonna be uh, that's like on the top of my to do list is to get that game because me and Shelly want to play it so bad. <laughs> well. I'm sure you'll get an opportunity soon, but that is Nintendo's biggest seller. Um, they have their numbers for total unit sales. Uh, this fiscal year, 72.94 million units. Um, last fiscal year uh, at, by, at this time was 56.59 million units. So a uh, 28% year-on-year increase in, in, in software sales for Nintendo. So they're doing very strong uh, as is as is the rest of the video game industry. Mm-hmm. So, I'm glad that they're doing this strong because, like, most people don't consider them in the console wars at all. Like, they're just kind of like an afterthought. But this just goes to show you that people still love Nintendo and their products. Yeah, I agree completely, and it shows what it shows what strong first party con- like continuous strong first party content can really do for a console. There's sort of you know we I I argue a lot on this show that it's not exclusives that sell a console, but um, in the case of Nintendo, it is a hundred percent the exclusives that are selling this console. Yeah, that's basically all they have. They only recently implemented third party stuff. Yeah, I read that Ubisoft is the best third-party publisher on Nintendo Switch. They are the ones that support it the most. Wow. That's pretty cool. But yeah, so I mean they they just are the the you know, the antithesis to the idea that that oh no, it's not it's not exclusives that sell a console. Um, they they have built a platform purely on I mean it's a couple things it's portability it's a home console that's also portable that you can play on the go but also on on just quality first party content and I I would say that if you really look at the Switch like beyond their launch year which had both Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild in it they haven't really until animal crossing they hadn't really had like a mammoth first party title it was just kind of going along with with smaller stuff but it it got them there and and it worked for them mhm and it's a good thing too cuz I, I would have hated to see nintendo go under which i mean that that's highly doubtful that would it would have but you know it, you never know especially with the whole covid thing yeah, I mean, the worst that I think could have happened is them just become a game publisher and they publish their games on Xbox and PlayStation. But I think there's no fear of that happening at this point. I think the Switch is is a resounding success. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it just is. I don't, I mean, it's outsold the Xbox One completely uh, in less years on the market. So, um, 
you know, if Microsoft can can sustain Xbox, then I think uh, Nintendo can sustain uh, Switch. Yeah, I agree. Um, anything else from from this financial report that you want to pull out? Not that I saw right off. Like it, it, it had extra numbers at the end of it, and like you know the whole, um, the specific life to date, you know, numbers like the thirty one point eighteen million units for Animal Crossing New Horizon. But the only other thing that kind of threw me off was where it said mobile and IP income was forty two billion, which is up thirteen point eight percent year on year. I don't fully understand what that means. Um sorry, point say that uh, one more time, which which part of it? It's towards the end on the bottom. The mobile and IP income was four forty two billion. Mobile and IP income was forty-two billion, up thirteen point eight percent. That's probably um, in yen because they're obviously not making billion dollars off of mobile. Um, forty-two billion dollars off of mobile stuff, so that's probably in yen because the rest of this is in yen, which is actually really confusing uh, when you look at it. It's like uh, net sales of of over 1 billion yen and it's like uh what does that or 1000 billion yen which is like a trillion yen uh is this like uh, what does that even mean I'd, I'd have to go and convert yen um i'm not uh too familiar with the japanese currency except that i know that it's it's much much more inflated compared to the dollar so that's probably um you know that's probably um, total sales or total income uh, in yen for their mobile and IP stuff. So this would be like Mario Kart Tour on phones, um, the Super Mario Run. Um, I think there was a um, crap. What's that uh, Fire Emblem? I think there was a Fire Emblem mobile game there. Uh, so that's probably what that's from. Gotcha. Okay, cool. And that 13.8% is just, you know, last year's sales would have been, I don't know, like 35 billion yen or something. And so that, whatever that equates to, so they're just saying that they made nearly 14% more profit year on year over this time last year. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah, because when I saw that, I was like, 42 billion? I mean, I didn't realize mobile stuff was that high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it's confusing because it's in yen. Uh, okay, which is what's throwing you off. Cool. Thank you for the clarification. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, so in this report, I guess it's worth noting that they did officially announce that they have sold a total of seventy nine point eight seven million Nintendo Switches. Uh, so wow, very successful console for them. They are marching on. I mean, I'm sure that they will hit 100 million switches before the end of the switch, the life of the switch. Yeah. Well, good for them. That's really cool. Yeah, 100% good for them. I, I mean, I think having multiple options in the video game industry, and this is what I've advocated for on this show multiple times with the PlayStation and the Xbox, having strong pillars in the community or in the Xbox or uh, in the video game market, it's just, it's good for everyone. Um, and so I'm, I'm very happy for Nintendo. Yeah, me too. Um, just to give you uh, a comparison. So, uh, 1 uh, billion yen is, uh, $9.5 million. So, uh, much, much more inflated compared to the U S dollar. 
completely. <laughs> wow. So, so yeah. Um, uh, 42, uh, 42 billion yen would be close, uh, just a little over $400 million. That's still pretty significant for mobile. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But as we showed in that article, the mobile industry is really where the like it. The mobile industry is equated like the total, uh, you know, net sales and um in the mobile industry is is equate equatable to PC and console gaming put together. Um, so it it's definitely the big market, and that's why Nintendo are trying to get into it. Right. Well, I mean, they're off to a strong start. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, anything else on this topic before we move on? Uh, nope, I think I'm good on that one. All right, so item number two, Six Days in Fallujah is back. I don't know how many people know about this one, but back in 2009, there was a game that was due to release, and the game was pretty much finished when it was canceled, um, and it was called Six Days in Fallujah. This game faced a ton of backlash in the industry because it depicted uh, real-world events uh, during the Battle of Fallujah in Iraq, which happened um, in well, there was a there was a couple battles of major battles of Fallujah, but I believe this one was trying to depict the uh, events of the 2004 Battle for Fallujah, the original or the first Battle for Fallujah. And it faced backlash because people said that it was too soon after the original events had happened and it wasn't, um, you know, sensitive to the people that died in the Battle of Fallujah. Um, when it was canceled, uh, there was a lot of military veterans that were actually upset by this, uh, including uh, one former Marine Sergeant Eddie Garcia, uh, who was wounded during the Battle of Fallujah, said at the time, Quote, sometimes the only way to understand what's true is to experience reality for yourself. War is filled with uncertainty and tough choices that cannot be understood by watching someone on a TV or movie screen make these choices for you. Video games can help us all understand real world events in ways other media cannot. And I think that, uh, in quote there, I think that that's a really good point um, to make here is that when you play a Call of Duty and it's just some fictional character in some made-up-ass made country and you're just shooting some fictional jihadi or whatever it is in the game, <clears throat> it doesn't really mean anything. But when you're playing something real, when you're experiencing something that was that was crafted based on people's experiences, people you may have even known. you know, A lot of us, our age group, know people that fought in Iraq and Afghanistan in the mid-aughts. And so seeing something like that is so much more real and and having to experience what they did through a video game where you are the first person perspective and you're making the choices and you're doing what's happening there i think it's it's way more impactful and i i believe that it, it's a story worth telling and so the fact that this game is back um they're going to release it this year basically they redid it even though the game was uh, more or less complete in 2009. They've redone this game and they're going to release it this year as a first-person shooter. I am stoked about this. I, I don't know where this news came from. No one was expecting it just to drop this week, and I can't be more excited about this. Adam, what, do you, what, what thoughts do you have here? Um, when I first saw this uh, topic for for the show, I was like, 
this sounds familiar, but I just don't know why. And then when I saw the the trailer, the announcement trailer, I was like, wait, this looks very familiar. And obviously it, it is familiar because this is stuff that for us was more of a, like during our high school, early college days. And um, they, it kind of hit home, you know, whenever I saw this, because like that, that was like the year that I graduated whenever the assault actually happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, like it, when it goes from the real footage to the gameplay, I almost didn't catch it because, I mean, the graphics looked really good. And I was like, man, this, this game actually looks good. Like I was really surprised. And um, I personally like whenever games do have that extra like realism to it. Like I, 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 I think like whenever games are done right, like you kind of honor what what's what happened in history, and and the way that a lot of these guys, well, one guy specifically, it might be that Eddie Garcia guy that that says that towards the end. Um. You know, he says that, you know, people do a great job in, in appreciating what we do, and, but I feel like we did a good job in honoring what happened or something like that. I, I, don't quote me on that. I don't know if that's exactly what he said, but it's something along those lines. But I, I really like that they actually went through and, like, made the effort to recreate the story. That way people know what happened and what they experienced. Like, I, I like it whenever people do stuff like that. Yeah, and, and we started off the show talking about our interest in, in history and, and in particular military history with World War II and stuff. Um, it's no different here. And the exact quote that you're looking for, he says at the end of the, the announcement trailer, he says that, I feel that we've done an excellent job um, honoring our troops, but we've done a terrible job remembering what they did. Yeah, that's it. And that's what they were trying to do here is to try to actually tell their stories and, and say what they experienced. You know, this, this announcement trailer is fantastic. They're talking about how, you know, you would go to the door and when you bust open the door and you didn't get shot, it was just relief that there was no feeling of winning for them. It was just relief that you survived. And it's just, man, that is just, I don't know. I think it's just tremendous. If they can actually figure out a way to tell that story in a video game where you're controlling a character and they're sort of honoring those stories, this is not going to be your Call of Duty, man. This is not going to have some big multiplayer component where you're earning skins and shit. Like that, This is not that game. This is going to be a campaign telling a true story, one that will probably be very difficult for some people to see. And that is the mark of, I think, a quality addition from a narrative perspective to the gaming industry. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, because like, it's it's really hard to... I mean, it's easy to separate uh, fantasy from reality, but whenever you combine the two and actually say, this is, this is real, these people are real, they may have been your neighbors at one point in time, you know, that, that, that hits you in a certain spot that... You know, most like you said, most people can't handle and some like most of us need to to see this, you know, because these guys do what they do in order for us to keep doing what we're doing here at home. Yeah, for real. And when you think about, you know, when you think about the fact that 
Afghanistan is, you know, it's America's longest war. And I know that Fallujah was in Iraq, um, but we went into Afghanistan first in, in 2002 and then in, in Iraq, into Iraq in 2003. But Afghanistan is America's longest war. And when you look at the fact that there are, you know, the people who were born in 2000 are turning 21 this year, right? So these were babies then. You know, they don't know and they're, and they're the ones that are, you know, becoming adults in this world. And I just think that if we could give them more of this stuff, remind them what what these people went through, people in our, you know, just slightly older than us, our age bracket went through um, and dealt with back then, you know, that might give them a greater appreciation for some of the stuff, you know, because so often I think that we're just caught up in the politics of it. You know, if you were to ask me my opinion of the Iraq war, it's, it's probably not what you would expect. I'm actually, I'm actually, from my perspective, it's one of the most um, distressingly embarrassing things that we've done as a nation. You know, we, we shouldn't have gone to war there in Iraq. Um, but the, what these soldiers did and, and people that I'm friends with and people that I knew relatives, uncles, what they did and what they went and tried to do in terms of uh, a belief that they were that they were doing something better for the world and for their country i just you know i honor that so much and so to see a game that that's potentially doing that I, i'm just so thrilled that this is going to be something that comes out in in 2021 yeah and and like you said like you know the relatives and stuff i, I still have relatives that are still in the military and they never really talk about what they do mostly because like it's secret stuff. Cause like they're kind of higher ranking and so they can't really talk about anything, mm-hmm. but I do have peers that are like friends that are my age group. And I graduated with that, that went to Iraq right after we graduated. And, you know, when they came back and I saw them, you know, they, they definitely weren't the same person. So, it's one of those things like, you know, they don't like to talk about it, but I, I, I want to, you know, I want to understand more is, is it's hard to, it's hard to say it without sounding like, like uh, one of those, I need to know everything type things, you know, but I just, I want to like, I want to understand more like what they went through. Yeah. I totally follow what you're saying because you know, you talk to someone and there's some experiences that you can relate. You can think of something that's happened in your life that's similar to what somebody's telling you about, but there's nothing that you or I could have ever experienced that can relate to what these men and women went through. I mean, again, just like think about that quote from this, this trailer where he says, you know, it was just relief that you survived. It was no feeling of victory, just relief that you made it through that door yeah and then do it again and again and again and then go back to base and rest and get up the next day and do it again and again and thinking about you know last you know yesterday my buddy got shot in the face you know two days ago he another buddy got shot in the chest you know uh, when is it my turn when I go through that door and like what that does to you mentally? Um, it's just, we can't even begin to comprehend because we've never been through something like that. Um, right. so it's just, again, like I said, like, I, I think that 
that telling this story is so important. Um, however we do it, if it's in movies or it's in video games, I just think it's so important to get people to understand and see what this was. Yeah. And honestly, like when I think personally, whenever people play this game, they need to leave the politics out of it and like not argue about, well, why did we do this or why were we even there or whatever? We just need to focus on the story of these people that, that is being depicted, you know, because these guys, obviously they're the survivors are the ones that help bring this story to light. And we just need to look at what they went through and not focus on why they were there. You know what I mean? Oh, a thousand percent. I really, I hope that, that people can, I, you know, I don't have a tremendous amount of faith in our games industry, games media industry to do it in good faith, but we'll see what happens. I really hope that they do. Yeah. Uh, What's really neat from a a game design perspective is that the studio is headed by a bunch of industry veterans, including the lead designer of Destiny and and Halo Combat Evolved, uh, Jamie Griesmer. Um, And, and, um, the Halo soundtrack uh, composer Marty O'Donnell is on this game too, um, so there are some some serious uh, industry talent um, that are doing this game and putting in the time and the effort to it. Yeah, well, if you got to tell the right story, you got to get the right people. Yeah, I just think that's because sometimes, like you know, the the telling of these stories are done by teams that you know do their best, but ultimately the gameplay can fall a little bit short. But to, to see like people that, you know, this is going to be a first person shooter and you've got the lead designers from the two best first person shooters of the past 20 years on this game, that, that makes me at least have some hope that it'll at least play good as well as, you know, being a, a compelling and fascinating story to experience. Yeah. And then that's another thing, like, you know, since we're talking about like this, this game is like more of like a personal experience for a lot of the guys that are in there. I, I predict there's going to be a lot of players in this who get this game who are going to be very upset with some of the events that are in there. Like if, you know, one of the friends, you know, you know, is not, you know, it's like they, they, they watch him die or something like that. They're probably not going to be very happy. And I hope, I hope, I pray that they realize that this isn't a game to cater to the Call of Duty and the Battlefield people. This is just a game to tell the story. Yeah, uh, I, it's 100%. I mean, anybody who's been around games long enough, think Spec Ops The Line. Um, that's what I, I've, I hope we, we get similar vibes from that. You know, just a grounded, amazing story um, on top of a, you know, strong gameplay. Yeah, this is not, this is not your Call of Duty bro shooter. Yeah, this is, this is a very serious topic. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that's all I've got. They didn't give a release date. They just said 2021. So sometime this year we can expect this game. Oh, oh just got breaking news. The game just got released. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, man. <laughs> I, dude, I'd be off the podcast and downloading it. <laughs> that would be cool, though, if that actually happened one day during our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, folks. We didn't finish the show. I had to go download a video game. <laughs> all right. Should we move on to our next topic? Let's do it. All right, man. Number three, Gina Carano is fired by Disney over social media posts. Um, 
So let's get into this just a little bit. Gina Carano uh, was the actress who played um, Cara Dune in the Mandalorian TV series. Now, Gina Carano was also an MMA fighter, one of the first female MMA fighters. Uh, in fact, I think she was in the first ever female, all-female, oh, I, assume, I, I'm assuming the MMA never actually pitted a woman against a man. I, who knows? I don't know. But the first female televised female MMA fight Gina fought in. Um, so she's been breaking ground um, in, in male-dominated industries for a long time. She's um, a person really to be admired and looked up to as, as, as a, um, you know, as a role model for young girls. And, um, she did, she just had such a great character, but she's always been active on social media, pushing back against, um, you know, sort of the modern woke, um, sentiments that we have in our society today. She, you know, I don't know, I don't know where she votes politically, um, but she's certainly um, at wor- at I shouldn't say at worst because that makes it sound like I think they're bad or whatever, and I'm not trying to imply that. But you know, the she could be anywhere from like a classical uh, left leaning classical liberal to a libertarian to maybe um, a centrist conservative. But you know, she I as far as I can tell is not some kind of shill for Trump or anything like that. But she just is very vocal in her opposition to the way. Uh, the way modern woke culture has permeated through our society. And I, I think that that's put a target on her. And, and I was telling you before the podcast that before we started recording that she was one of the people that did the beep bop boop thing, which obviously got a lot of, of flack and, and um, anger at a lot of different uh, um you know, public figures when that whole thing started and she, she started getting a lot of, of flack for it. And I think that's really where this drive began. And if you were to ask me, I feel like they were always looking for a reason to let her go. And it seems that she finally did the social media post, um, that got her there. So I'm going to read the post here real quick, just for context. So she said, across a picture of, um, of Jews in, in 1940s Nazi Germany. She wrote the words, uh, Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even by children. Because history is edited, most people today don't realize that it didn't get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews. The government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different for hating someone for their political views? Now, uh, the outrage came from people saying that she's uh, comparing um, being a Republican uh, or a conservative in America to what it was like to be a Jew during the Holocaust of the 1940s uh, Germany. Uh, and so this is what's angered people. And, you know, I can, I can, I personally despise, I mean, we've, we've had it for years and years, these uh, this person is literally Hitler or that person is literally um, what it was like in, in Nazi Germany or these people are literal Nazis and yada yada. Like we just were so easy to cast people in these in these uh, lights. And, and I personally don't like it because the, what happened in 1940s Germany, the Holocaust and, and all of the, all of what, 
the Jews and um, homosexuals and Christians went through. That's the, that's that's the thing that actually probably a lot of people don't realize. Uh, again, you know, this this whole podcast has been about like history and stuff, and I I love it, and and also like you know feel bad because we're really more of a video game podcast, but. <clears throat> I think that's something that people don't realize. Like it wasn't just the Jews that were rounded up and sent to uh, concentration concentration camps. Obviously they were by far the majority population, but also homosexuals, uh, Christians, uh, disabled people, you know, um, there were multiple groups of people that were persecuted by the Germans and they literally went around their country and found these people and took them to camps where they just exterminated them. And so there is almost nothing like it um, that's happened since. Of course, there's been things that have been similar. Um, we've seen it in Southeast Asia, in Cambodia with Pol Pot. Uh, we've seen it in Rwanda, in Africa. Um, we've seen it in Armenia and Turkey um, throughout the, the 20th century. So that's happened in other places, but... Um, certainly not, um, not, how do I say this without sounding? You would expect a first world country, a Western developed society to be well developed beyond that kind of behavior. Rwanda, Armenia, Cambodia, these are countries that are third world countries that are developing that um, don't have the levels of government that we have in the Western society. So, and I'm, again, I'm really, I'm, I'm going way down, uh, probably farther than I ever should have. But the point I'm trying to make is that it is almost unprecedented in Western society. And so comparing anything happening in the United States today to those, to those moments in history is absurd at any level. So that, that um, front if you if you take it as trying to say being a Republican in America is like being a Jew in Nazi Germany, that would be a completely absurd statement. And something that should get you laughed at, I think, um, but not fired. Um, that, that just seems so ridiculous. Why would you fire somebody over that? You should probably laugh at them and be like, yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. But to fire them, like does, that doesn't that seem like just too much? Adam, I mean, is there any any real harm? Uh, I mean, maybe there could be some harm, but is there really any any real level beyond just saying, "Hey, that's a bit of a ridiculous statement. Move on from it." Why do you have to fire someone over that? Yeah, I don't I don't understand it either. Like, we live in a world where words hurt. I mean, yeah, I, I get it. Like, a lot of things hurt, but you know, some people just like talking out of their ass. And we need to learn how to just ignore it. Like so for somewhere in between the year 2000 and now, like we just forgot how to live our lives and move on, you know, like things just, we, we take things to the extreme. Maybe that's ECW's fault. I don't know, but, <laughs> but yeah. like, it's just, I don't think that's a fireable of, uh, offense in my opinion you know that's just someone who just doesn't like she 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 phrased it wrong like i know what she's trying to say but she shouldn't have said it that way 
Yeah, and and really, that's I think kind of delving deeper into this, just a touch deeper, is she doesn't actually say anything about conservatives or Republicans. She's just saying, how is this sort of different from hating someone simply for their political beliefs, and and she's just warning against you know, if society gets to the point where you dislike somebody so much over an ideology or a religious belief that you would openly persecute your neighbor that 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 it's a dangerous road like let's not go there let's let's try to find more common ground on political beliefs that's all she's trying to say she's not trying to say conservatives are are literal jews in the holocaust i think the only way you you get there is if that's where you want to get and like you said i think she probably just worded it a little a little poorly in today's climate but the sentiment I 100% agree with. And if you think it's not happening, I mean, there's stories of parents who turned – or kids who turned in their parents for attending the the, the uh, protests on January 6th that turned into the riots, right? Mm-hmm. These, these kids are turning in their parents to the FBI. So if you don't think it's happening in in our country, you know, look at their – look at the whole way that we treat masks with coronavirus. Like – if you don't think it's happening, you really need to you really need to read more news stories and go like, ah, is this really good for us? Is this really good for us to tear each other, our neighbors down in these manners, as opposed to like trying to reach out and talk to them and 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 show compassion and show love and show education, even even if they don't want to necessarily hear it. You've got to continue showing it because as a society, that's the only way you really come back from the brink of just hating everyone yeah and it's 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 it's, i know it's hard to forgive people but we need to learn how to do it again you know just just forgive and forget and let's just move on with our lives that's that's just the way i see everything because it's like i've told people before like when they're, they're like well who do you support and i usually just like well The only thing I'm going to say is that there's idiots on both sides of the aisle. That's all I'm going to say. Like that, that's usually where I leave it at because I don't agree with anybody. Period. Yeah. I'm like, I want to party a Philip, but I mean, so let's try to get back to why, why are we even talking about Gina Carano? Well, we love star Wars on the show. We love the Mandalorian on the show. And it's just made me so sad to see Gina treated this way because you know, if you go and you look at Pedro Pascal's post, Pedro Pascal plays Jindaru, the, the Mandalorian, okay? In 2018, he posted a picture of the concentration camps from Germany 1944 and a picture of kids behind bars and said it was America 2018 and said, this is this is America. So he's literally, he is literally saying that America is like the concentration camps of the Holocaust. Yeah. And what's what's kind of even funnier to me is the picture that he clipped is from an LA uh, uh yeah, I think it's an LA Times article that's actually of kids in uh, I can't even remember. I want to say it was like Indonesia or somewhere like that at a at a um like a food shelter, like where you get soup and stuff like that. And 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 he's like hyper zoomed in on the picture. He probably didn't create it. It was probably a meme that someone created. But the actual picture from the LA Times is zoomed way back out and you actually realize it's not a cage at all. Like these kids are free to come in and out of, of this area. And so it's sort of um, ironically funny that, you know, he's he's picked a picture that's not even a 
kids in America. But the point being is that he's made a post identical to what people claim Gina has done and thus deserves to be fired for. But Pedro Pascal is like untouchable. In fact, even more ironically, when all the news is coming out that Gina got fired, pretty much at the same time, news is coming out that Pedro Pascal had got the role of of Joel in the Last of Us TV show on HBO and people are celebrating him. So it, it becomes really obvious why this happened, right? She didn't follow what is the permitted groupthink right now. And because she didn't, people don't like her. And I think that's just such a dangerous place to be and and to want to to end someone's role in a show or, and probably in their career. Like, I mean, I think it's going to, she's going to struggle to come back if she's fired from Disney, right? Like for this, she's going to struggle to come back to any major roles just because she, you don't even know that she voted for Trump. Like you don't. And and even if she did, how can you possibly feel like that's okay? That, that because somebody voted for the opposite party member than you, that you think it's okay to just end it because the reality is that that this doesn't stop at conservatism versus leftism you know it goes further than that look at chris pratt uh, he he had the audacity to not go to some joe biden fundraiser event that he wasn't even invited to and people try to cancel yeah. him over it yeah. like again like he's that. somebody that's spoken out against trump you know, and all he did ha- was have the audacity to not go to a Biden fundraiser that he wasn't invited to. Yeah, so we've got to be careful. Um, so that's kind of just, you know, that's that's why I brought this up. It's just it's so sad to me because it's something that I love so much. And to see how she's been treated, it really makes me wonder, like, do I ha- do I continue to support Star Wars or The Mandalorian or Disney? At what point is enough enough? You know, they 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 treated John Boyega poorly. They removed his photo from the the Force Awakens promotional fo- uh, poster in China because Chinese people don't particularly like, or at least Chinese government don't particularly like the image of black people in prominent roles. And and Disney did that in a society where where. Black Lives Matter and everything is so important right now. And yet Disney would still do that. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know that it's necessarily about, you know, common right versus left issues here at Disney as much as it's about what what hurts my bottom, what makes me the most money. And I'll sell my soul to whatever makes me the most money. That That's what it feels like with Disney. Yeah, that's what it's starting to feel like. And honestly, you're not alone in what you said about... Uh, do I still support Star Wars? Because there's, I think there's a hashtag that's that's trending right now that says cancel Disney Plus, and I've seen a ton of comments saying the same thing. Like I'm, I can't support a company that will treat women like this, and you know, given all these extra little flares on on their comments, but it's just, I, I think we've hit that point to where it's like it doesn't matter if we're right or wrong and how we think. We just need to learn how to like just live our lives because we're, we're heading down a dangerous path. And I feel like we've already, we're already a few miles down the road after that turn that we took wherever that happened. But we just need to 
we need to get back on the right path towards a normal society. That that's what I feel like because this isn't what what I feel like we should be. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel normal. And to be clear, like if Disney had tried to fire Pedro Pascal after that after his post, I'd be sitting here saying the same things. Mm-hmm. And I and I think his post was, you know, it was it was a terrible comparison also. Um, so it has nothing to do with whether I agree with the message or not. It has everything to do with whether I agree with this is how we should treat people for holding their opinions. Uh-huh. You know, like if Gina had said on Twitter that she wanted Jews to die, like that's totally different, you know, like that's, that's, that is an abhorrent thing to say. And that's, I, again, like this is the language Disney used, abhorrent and unacceptable social media posts. If you had said something like, I hope Jews die, that's abhorrent <laughs> to yeah. make some kind of like reflection on history and say like, hey, you have to be careful not to hate each other to this level. And then for, for someone to come and brand that as abhorrent is, is it's absurd. It, yeah. it, it is. It's just. <laughs> I don't know. I I digress, man, because I I don't, you know, I I've always said that that um, you know I don't really want this show to be political, but you know inherently if you're covering you know this nerd culture area, you know you're going to come across incidents like this, and I'm just going to give you my honest opinion. That's all I can be. I can't be fake um, here, you know. I. It just it's not going to ever work. So I'm just giving people my honest opinion, and and I and I actually am totally fine if you disagree. Like if you think that it it, it is unacceptable and you think that she should be fired, I mean I I'm willing to have a discussion with someone in good faith as to why they think that is, um, and not be upset at you for holding that opinion. But that's just me, I guess. I don't know. Maybe that's weird in today's society. Yeah, it's definitely weird because there's not a lot of people that are willing to offer what you're offering because you know it like for for those that are listening i'm just going to go ahead and tell you this right now it whenever me and phil have discussions when it comes to politics like if i say something wrong he's quick to tell me no that's wrong but that's how he treats everybody he treats everybody the same like and that that's why i have so much respect for him because he he tells you like it is and he tells you what he thinks and there's no compromising between that you know he's he's going to let you know what he thinks and he's going to tell you why he thinks what he thinks and then also he's going to try to you know have that discussion with you even if he doesn't agree with you like that's literally how he just described it is how he really is in real life outside of this podcast and so there's not a whole lot of people that are willing to do that and so we need to have more people like Phil. Like, I'm not trying to kiss your ass or anything, Phil. But <laughs> I know it sounds like it, but like it, it's it's really hard to find people that that have the same convictions as you. Yeah. And to be clear, what you mean by to tell you that you're wrong, like if, you know, there's I think what you're referring to is like when we're having conversations and we're kind of agreeing and you're like, yeah, and, and there's this thing. And I'm like, well, actually, Adam, like you've misinterpreted yeah. that like X or Y reason, like. You know, I think that's what you're referring to, but I, yeah. I can also be convinced. You know, I can totally be convinced to a different thought logic if you're willing to put forward an, a discussion and an argument in good faith, and not just be like, "Well, I think she's a Nazi now because she said this." Really, like, how do you even fucking? How do you get there? How do you infer that? Like, 
do you know what a Nazi was? Like, do you know what they really did? Do you have, do you, uh, do you understand the history behind any of what you're saying? Um, you know, that, that's just because I've read tons of books on it. I've, I got a degree in history in, in college, you know, like I, I'm not saying I know everything, but I know a lot more than what I think a lot of people that try to talk about this stuff on social media do these days. Yeah. And I think if they just, I think if they just realized it and educated themselves, they might go, Oh wow, this is really absurd for me to make this comparison. Oh, when you said educate themselves, it reminded me of a specific person. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to go down that road. Yeah. We're not so, going to go down that road. <laughs> so like, that's, anyway. that's why World War II is my favorite subject because there, there's so much that happened and you know, you just, you just end up going down the rabbit hole, like finding out so many different things and learning. And that's, like I said, it, it's so, there's so much knowledge to be learned about that era. And then like, that's the era that people like to use. And it's like, you know, you're, you, it's like you said, you, you hear them say one thing, but it's like, that's not what really happened. Yeah. I, I think like as a kid, like when I was in high school, like I was drawn to the battles and, and the, and the heroics of, of these different moments throughout 1941 through 45. But when I got to college and I got older and I started understanding you know the time period from 1928 up to 1939 and hitler's rise and how all these things played out it's so fascinating um just to see like you know it's like i mean hitler took over germany with like a 32 percent um 32 percent support in the national vote like that's all it took because of the situation of, of where they were at and and the strife within the country and and very lots of different things. But when you see things like that and you realize like like he didn't come in and just like totally have like a hundred percent of support of the whole country. Like it was very nefarious how he got in and consolidated his power. And it's eye opening because you realize like, oh, it's like it's not that hard for someone for like for, for you to end up in a situation where I, I mean like a comparison somewhat of a comparison right like like trump got the republican nomination in 2016 without really having the majority of support among the republican party you know it was like in the 35 percent or something right like you right. just need enough sometimes like just enough and then that that just enough can be what takes you to a certain position in a country. And, and it's just really fascinating to read that. I, again, I'm not trying to draw any comparisons between modern day America and Nazi Germany. I'm just trying to say like, when you read about this stuff and you figure out what really kind of like what the timeline of events and how it all unfolded, it is fascinating um, because you you see that it's just it's not like somebody woke up one day and was like this is what's going to happen and and i can make it happen because i'm the ultimate supreme ruler you know there's so much that goes in that there's so much stuff that happens to get from point a to point b yeah and most of that stuff kind of either flies under the radar or it's just hidden in plain sight yep yeah, and and it's you know if you do some reading, like you can find this stuff, you know. Um, yeah, it's out. There. It's not like we're making this stuff up. Like it, it's it's there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, I don't know. 
I, I don't want to go too much farther down this. I mean, we've already been talking for longer than I really meant to here. So Gina Carana got fired and I'm sad about it, guys. That's just, that's it. I'm sad about it and I, I'm conflicted. And I hope that, you know, like with James Gunn, that Disney comes to a realization and, and reverses this decision. Um, and, and we can come back to somewhat of a more sane place to be um, and how this is handled. Yeah. We need common sense back in our lives. <laughs> All right. Should we move on? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, February releases stuff that's coming out this week. Little Nightmares 2 came out today, today being February 11th. Um, and tomorrow, what I'm excited about, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury is coming out on Switch. So I'm thrilled to get my hands on that tomorrow. Yeah, I want to get that, but money's kind of tight right now. Yeah, I'm lucky because uh, I got um, I got a couple Target gift cards at Christmas and I've been holding <laughs> nice. on to them because I knew this game was coming out in February. And so I think I can pretty much get it um, with those gift cards. But uh, I am, I'm definitely excited. And now this is a re-release of the 3D World for Wii U. The Bowser's Fury part is a whole new experience developed for the Switch. But um, the, the Super Mario 3D World is a re-release of the Wii U version. So... I know yeah. I played it on Wii U. I don't know about you, Adam, but that was definitely one that I played back when it first released on Wii U. Yeah, we and Shelly did play that on the Wii U. We still have it. So, all right. Well, that's what's coming out tomorrow that I'm excited about. Uh, new game date announcements. Pumpkin Jack PS4 version is going to release February 24th, 2021. We talked about that game way back when it first launched on Xbox and PC and um, Switch uh, back in October of last year. But this is the PlayStation version of it. It's finally coming out. Uh, Ratchet and Clank, A Rift Apart, uh, the next big Sony exclusive, has been dated finally June 11th, 2021. So... Uh, this was a, quote, launch window game. I don't really consider this within the launch window anymore, but, you know, I uh, will we'll give them a break because of the pandemic and everything. Either Even still, uh, literally exactly four months away, we get Ratchet and Clank a Rift Apart. I'm excited about that. Yeah, I think uh, that'd be cool. Uh, then next up, the Resident Evil movie reboot got a date of September 3rd of this year. Um, that's uh, coming from Sony Pictures as well, so we'll see if that actually follows through or if it gets delayed like the Uncharted movie did. Um, and then finally, Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie, is going to get a sequel, uh, and it is going to come out April 8th of next year, so that's about 14 months away. Did I have a prediction want? about that movie. Oh, yeah? What is it? I predict that this movie is going to be bought by everybody and it's going to be just like the Sega Genesis cartridge Sonic the Hedgehog 2 where you just find it in random places all around the country. <laughs> I like this prediction, except we're in digital movie sales now, so probably not many people. Did you watch the first Sonic the Hedgehog movie? I think it came out, was it last year or the year before? I actually did not. I, I think you should go check it out. I was pleasantly surprised you know most most sonic movie or most video game movies suck but i was actually pleasantly surprised by this one i thought it was a a reasonable you know seven out of ten movie and i i thought it was pretty good you know for that for that reason okay i'll check it out all right um all right that's all i got for today's show adam you got anything else before we peace out 
Actually, yes. Uh, since you had mentioned the Target gift cards, I actually got a $25 Amazon gift card. Can you guess what I bought? Something to do with wrestling. Mm, not, no, no, there's not wrestling involved in this one. Okay. A new Guitar Hero controller. Nah, that wouldn't be enough. All right, then I give up. <laughs> I had to buy. Well, I didn't. I didn't have to. I chose to buy a the Selena CD. Mm, no, <laughs> but it, it does involve a dead artist. Okay, a digital version of of Queen of the Damned. Did you ever see that movie? I did. I think I did. This is a vampire movie, right? Yep, the Vampire Lestat. Yeah, I think I recall this one. It's been a long time, though. Yeah, that I don't know why. I, I rediscovered it. I, I love it when this happens. I rediscovered it on Spotify. I was listening to these, you know, these playlists that I follow that says, hey, you might enjoy these. And I'm just like, eh, okay, I'll see what's on there. And um, Forsaken popped up from from that from that movie. And David, David Draymond is the... Uh, the soundtrack artist that covers the song. Jonathan Davis is the one that does all the, the stuff for the movie, which if you don't know those that are listening, Jonathan Davis is a singer from corn. David Draymond is the one from disturb. And, uh, when I heard the song, I was like, Oh my God, I remember the song. And then there, there I go listening to all the music. And next thing you know, I'm looking on YouTube, the, the movie versions of the music. And then I was like, I need to watch the movie. And so I watched the movie and I realized I have the DVD full screen version, which is like the worst of the worst. And so I was like, I need to have the, the HD version. So I bought it and I watched it on my my 4K TV that I have in the in the living room. And I was like, God, oh, this movie is so badass. Like, especially since I have like the surround sound stuff with the bass and everything else. Man, that concert scene. Oh, my God. It was cake. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, it's the soundtrack contains songs uh, from Dry Cell, Static X, Papa Roach, Tricky, Earshot, Godhead, Disturbed, Deftones, and the Kidney Thieves. Yep. That's, that's and um, can't forget Chester Bennington, too. He's on there. Oh, man. Yep, Chester Bennington. Oh, yeah, other soundtrack. Uh, let's see. R- musicians for the soundtrack's official release Wayne Static, David Draymond, Disturbed, Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park, Marilyn Manson, who's in trouble now in real <laughs> life, uh, Jay Gordon uh, from, from oh, how do you say that? Is it Orgy? I guess it's Orgy. Yeah, Orgy. So, yeah, Chester, man. That's, that's sad. Yeah. But, God, that, that soundtrack is, to me, it's like, the best movie soundtrack I could have ever asked for. And like, like oh, it's only like $9. Uh, now I'm probably going to have to go check this out at some point again. I forgot that Aaliyah was the, was the vampire lady. Um, yep. Part of the movie. Akasha, the queen of all who are damned. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's crazy. This for, movie- oh, wait. There was more than one dead artist involved in this. I'm sorry about that, guys. And I hate to say it that way, but that's it's true. You mean Aaliyah? Yeah, Aaliyah and Chester and yeah. Wayne. Yeah, because Aaliyah passed. This is actually apparently the last movie completed before her death in August of 2021. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So this movie was released in uh, February of 2002. Yes. Yeah. And, and just since we were we were talking about it, um, you know, in this show that that is when um, uh, we invaded Afghanistan, I believe. Man, man, this has been one giant history like link for almost every topic that we covered on this this show for today. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So we went we first went into Afghanistan in October of 2001 and then of course um uh that movie was released in February of 2002, so just shortly after that. Yeah. And if and for those that are listening, if you've never watched Queen of the Damned, watch it. Like I, I promise you, at least you'll love the music if you don't like the movie. <laughs> For sure, go check it out. All right, that's all we got. I think time I to think get so. out of this history lesson. This is going to be a very strange episode for a lot of people because this is not what we normally do. And uh, I'm sorry, everybody, um, but <laughs> it's just it's just where our heads were for this for this episode. I can't help that's it. Very, it's very true. Like all the topics, they just kind of led into it. Yeah, I don't choose what happens in the news. I don't pick it. You know, obviously, as as you could tell, I would prefer that that the whole Gina story wasn't a thing. You know, and I had no idea that they were going to reannounce Six Days of Fallujah, even if I am excited about that. <laughs> so, all right, I think that's it. Time to go home. Yep, let, let's go to bed. All right, thank you everyone for listening to this here, the 30th episode of the TriCast Gaming Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Remember, like, subscribe, review on your podcasting app of choice. And if you have questions or you want to just tell me you didn't like my opinions at all in this episode, I am happy to hear it and give you a platform to have your thoughts read out on this show, even if I disagree with them. So DM us on Twitter or Facebook, and I will be happy to put that out there uh, next week. Uh, We'll be back again next Friday with episode number 31. Have a great weekend. Stay safe and game hard, folks. Peace.